Father in heaven, Lord, bless us as we share. We thank you, Lord, for being the God of all relationships and that, that we want to find uh, truth from uh, your manuscript, which is the owner's manual of marriage, and we know that's the Word of God. So as we share principles from the Word of God and the Spirit of Prophecy, we know you'll bless us. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll just start off with um, what does uh, respect look like and what is the opposite of respect, which is disdain or scorn. And there's a good example in the Bible of someone that disdained their husband and the results of that. Can anybody take a guess who I'm, I might be talking about? All right, you guys are on it. Michael, who said Michael? All right, that's right. It happened to be that the Ark of, God was going to allow the Ark of the Covenant to go back to Jerusalem. And they were going to do it the right way instead of, the, uh, instead of doing it according to Philistine philosophy. You remember that didn't work when Uzzah tried to steady the Ark. And it was in the house of Obed-Edom for many, many months and God in the Bible says that God blessed the house of Obed-Edom because the Ark of the Covenant was in his house. So now they were going to take it out, take it back to Jerusalem. And David was before the Ark of the Covenant and he was excited and he was skipping and, and dancing before the Lord, taking it back. And his wife, Michael, saw uh, what he was doing and she disdained him. She scorned him. Uh, she didn't she was it was the opposite of respect and she she said you know wow right in front of the the women of, of Israel they all saw you do this and uh, and she you know and and David says you know what have I done you know I was happy this was God was well pleased with what I was doing and you you know you disrespected me and the Bible says that after that happened and uh, in Second Samuel uh, chapter six, verse twenty-three. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Now, I don't know why God allowed her not to have children. It seems like to me it was a little bit of a of a curse or a punishment or of some of some type. I don't know if David just said, "Well, uh, you know, no more sex for you," and she didn't have children, or if it was just you know a curse. But nevertheless. Uh, this God was not well pleased with Michael because she did this to her husband. So a husband, death, we all need love. Everybody needs love. But a man especially needs respect. And Saul, uh, uh, Michael was not giving that to uh, right. David. So it causes us to stop and think a couple of things is if this was a punishment, um, definitely when you're in a leadership position, I think God holds us more accountable because things in a leadership position oftentimes that occur, they're more well known. And um, so it'll be interesting to know more of the details of that story when we get to heaven. Sometimes things seem very harsh because we aren't there. We're not in the culture. We don't see what's going on. But I know that God is very patient. He's very just and he's very fair. And so I believe that um, it'll be interesting to know more of that. But it causes us to stop and think when we consider that story. What is it like in our relationship at home? What is it like in your communication with your spouse? 
Are you respectful? Are you loving in the way that you interact? And we're going to really look at that. So the definition of contempt is the act of viewing something as mean, vile, worthless, scorn, willful disrespect or disregard of authority. So it really the opposite of honor, respect, and esteeming someone. Why is it, honey, that, you know, the more familiar we become with each other as a couple, that it's easy sometimes to be disrespectful? We kind of, we kind of take each other for, uh, for granted, don't we? I think, I think it's easy to fall into that. And the other thing is, do we t- treat each other as well or better than when we were courting? Right. And do we treat each other as well as we treat our dog? That's another one. A lot of times you see people, the way they treat their animals is amazing. That's right. That's a really good point. So it's really good for us as we're talking about relationship revival. We need to look at what kind of a revival do I need in my relationship with my spouse? What kind of a revival do I need in my home uh, in front of our children and with our children? And what kind of a revival do we need in each of our individual hearts? So we talked about that really to thrive... We both need love and respect, don't we? Men and women. Um, Generally, I think that respect is, in a sense, just another definition of what it means to be loving, is to be respectful. So it's just a different way of looking at that. But um, I want to always adore you like it looks like that young woman's Mm. adoring her husband. It looks like maybe he's saying, okay, honey, do I need a little space? Remember, like you, when we were first married? Yeah. I'd just yes. snuggle up to him on the couch, and he'd say, um, can you scoot over? And, uh, no, they can't. It's them. Anyway, he said, can you scoot over? And, he, and I was like, what? I thought, I thought we got married to be really close. And he was like, he was an only child. I was the oldest of seven. Mm-hmm. So there were times he was like, I just need to breathe. He said, I love you very much. I just need a little space. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. <laughs> I still can't. But anyway, so best friends. What does it look like to be best friends? Do you have a a best guy friend or girlfriend or someone that you can just be yourself around and they really like who you are? They don't just love you. They really like you as a person. So read this quote, honey. God designed. can, Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. God designed the home to be a little heaven upon earth where love, sympathy, and true courtesy, and my wife added in there, respect, will be cultivated. And so uh, we're told in the book Ministry of Healing that wherever Jesus was, that was like, like heaven. Think about it. When we get to heaven, heaven wouldn't be heaven if Jesus were not there. Right? But it's going to be heaven because Jesus is there. And, and if Jesus is in our hearts, then our home will be a little heaven, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes, um, sometimes we're not like Jesus. In fact, I wish that I didn't have two natures. I just wished I had one nature. But unfortunately, I have a little Hitler nature. And you do too. <laughs> Come on, somebody say amen. Or, or I should say your, your spouse has a Hitler nature. Okay, all right, all right. it sounds better. Somebody said that. But in reality, we, we all have a little Hitler nature. And sometimes it comes out, right? And it's kind of like the nature that you feed is the nature that wins, mm-hmm. you know? So if I feed upon the good things 
and you know the Bible, the spirit of prophecy, and I'm and I'm praying, and I'm I'm really trying to stay away from you know things that are gonna like the weeds and the tares and the and the poison ivy, and and in Oregon they have poison oak. You know, <laughs> you were really allergic to that. If I stay away from that, you know, and get around the good things, you know, like the flowers and and all that, it's kind of like the book Steps to Christ, you know. Uh, Mrs. White saw all those that beautiful garden of all those flowers, and then there was a, a, a rose bush that had thorns. And the person came along and said, "Oh, those thorns are terrible. They're awful." And all he could focus on was the thorns. And she says, "Get your eyes off of the thorns. Get them on the lilies and the pinks and the roses, right?" And it's the same thing when we focus more on on God's, you know, diet. You know, mm-hmm. we'll become like that. But if we're focusing on things that will take us, uh, that will make us uh, more like Satan, uh, then that little we feed that little Hitler nature and it seems to come out and thrive, right? Well, most definitely, if I'm concentrating on being loving, sympathetic, and having courtesy and respect to you, if that's what I'm focusing on doing, instead of picking you apart, looking for little things that annoy me, always correcting you, always telling you what I don't like, then it just creates a totally different atmosphere in our home. And sometimes when you, when you criticize someone too much, they, they'll quit trying. Mm-hmm. That's right. They'll quit trying. Mm-hmm. I love this quote. It says, well, does Satan know what heaven is like? Don't you think? Oh, yeah. He knows exactly what heaven is. And he knows what the influence of angels are. So he knows if angels are in our home, he knows what kind of influence that will be. But it goes on to say his work is to bring into every family the what elements? The cruel elements of what? Self-will. Hitler. Selfishness. Harshness. Mm -hmm. So if I think about it, those attributes are cruel. When I'm selfish, when I'm self-willed, when I want you to do this for me, and I'm more focused on me, and I'm harsh, those things are cruel to the human relationship. And so it causes me to stop and take inventory. Am I behaving? Are my words, my actions, are my actions, are they cruel? to my loved one? Am I just sapping the positive energy right out of them? Mm -hmm. Or am I focusing on that which I can do to edify, support, and encourage that person? Mm -hmm. It says, thus he seeks to destroy the happiness of the family. So based on this quote, we can know that the way to destroy a family is to be self-willed, to be harsh, and to be selfish. And we want to to reiterate a couple of of, uh, days ago, we, we talked about that so many individuals, they, they try to find just the right person to help make them happy. Mm-hmm. But we've got to remember that that person can help, but you get your primary joy and happiness from God. That's right. From God. And, mm-hmm. and then it overflows to your spouse. Mm-hmm. You know, the joy, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Mm-hmm. And, and so... So many people are frustrated because they married their spouse, they're still not happy, and they don't know why they're they don't know why they're not happy. Mm-hmm. And it's because they're not getting it from, from God. 
And you know, when we're unhappy, we tend to nitpick at everybody else. Mm -hmm. We cause unhappiness. And that really brought me to another um, aspect that I was thinking about um, yesterday in preparation for this presentation. You know, you always go through your notes and say, what have I already covered? What have I not? And I thought about happiness and joy. We know that happiness can be an event, right? I'm looking forward to tomorrow's party or meeting with someone and having lunch or some happy thing. But joy is something we get from God that's a constant. I can even have joy in the midst of a challenge. So yesterday, there was something that was going to happen that had stressed me out. There was a knot in my stomach. And I was praying about it. I claimed several promises about it. And I was just really praying everything would go well in that interaction. And then the Lord impressed me, Tammy, you've already prayed. You've already claimed my promises. Now you need to thank me. But I didn't feel thankful yet because it hadn't happened, see? <laughs> so I said, oh, Lord, you're right. So, Lord, thank you so much that you're true to your word. Thank you that your promises are sure. Thank you that you've got this interaction. It's going to be fine. Thank you, Lord, that you're already there. I just praise you. And you know what? That interaction went better than I could have imagined. And later I said, Lord, you knew all of my, all along. Thank you. So that's just an illustration of the joy we can have in the midst of trials, life, and you know challenges that we have every day, that joy. And I got to thinking, honey, we can treat each other just really sweetly and get along fine, but if I'm not happy inside, it just leaks out. I can't help it. Well, not, And not only that, but if, you're, if your spouse, let's say your spouse is really not a believer, mm -hmm. uh, that unbeliever, he's watching you to see if Christianity really works. Mm-hmm. And and if he sees that you really don't really act any different than you know his buddies or or the work associates or how he would react and respond in yeah, a situation, yeah, then he, he's gonna, probably not going to want what you have. But if he sees that, wow, my wife or my husband, they're they've really been spending a lot of time with God, and they're getting sweeter and sweeter. There's really something to this Jesus thing, you know. And more than that, our little children are watching us. Oh, that's right. Does the religion of mommy and daddy work for them? Does it make a difference? Are they happier people? Or is this like an old garment I want to throw off as soon as I can? I think that's a quote. If the religion of Jesus Christ does not make me more loving and kind, then it's a what? Curse. It's a curse and a counterfeit. It's not the real thing. Mm -hmm. So the, the true religion of Jesus Christ should change us. That's Amen. right. It That's should right. change us. That's right. So how do we change? You know, how do we um, throw off some of the habits and the sins that so easily beset us? I think it's fair. When we're talking about revival in the marriage, I think it has to start with ourselves. And I'd like to share an illustration. It says, if a spouse gives in to the devil's temptations instead of being like heaven, the home may be made into a what? A variable hell for the other spouse. So I'd like to just be really transparent with you and share an experience that happened to me. I want to tell you that in our home, we, we raised our children without television. And then when they were older, we did have some TV. We we're very careful about it. But we've never paid for um, TV. Cable. You know, we Cable. usually have like... If whatever our rabbit ears get, we get three ABN, we get, you know, things like that that we watch. And then sometimes when I'm working out, I'll watch the news or whatever. Well, I was watching the news one Sunday, and an advertisement came up for The Bachelor. 
Now, I don't watch The Bachelor. If you do, shame on you, right? I'm being a Pharisee now. But anyway, <laughs> uh, The Bachelor is a show, if you're not familiar, about this guy who has this whole bunch of women, and they all want to marry him and convince them of such. And he kisses and makes out with all these women. It's really quite awful. And then in the end, he chooses one. And it's very unrealistic because it happens in beautiful places like the Bahamas and Hawaii, etc. So that's kind of a thing. Well, the advertisement that caught my eye was that the bachelor was going to choose between this person and this person next Sunday at 4 o'clock. There was going to be a two-hour thing where he was going to choose. And I thought, I'm curious. Now, I hadn't been watching the show, but this showed the picture of the two women, gave you a little snapshot of what they were like, and I wanted to know who he would choose. So I thought, I'm going to tune in and get on my elliptical at 4 o'clock next Sunday afternoon, and I just want to see who he chooses. Well, I'm headed up the stairs, and the Holy Spirit's talking to me. And you know how the Holy Spirit talks? He doesn't talk really in words or sentences, but in impressions. So I'm going to put them in my own words. It was something like this. Tammy, you know, those kinds of things that they do on that program are actually the very sins that crucified your Savior. You don't want to, you don't want to be entertained by things that are actually against the commandments. Oh, that's right, Lord, I said, and I wouldn't watch it. I really wouldn't. But I'm not watching all the bedroom scenes, and I'm not watching all the makeup scenes. I'm just makeout scenes. I'm just going to watch the part where he chooses. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had this nagging feeling that that wasn't cutting it. You know, that was. <laughs> and so as I'm walking down the hall, all of a sudden, another impression came to me. How was I going to spend time with Jesus tomorrow morning in my devotions, knowing that next Sunday I was going to do something that I would probably be repenting for? You ever done that? You better all raise your hand. We have, at times, purposefully sinned against God, right? And then thought, well, I want to do this so bad, and I'll repent later. And I, I was struggling as I'm walking. Now, this is all happening from the what, basement. What was, what was that called in the dark ages? In, indulgences? Indulgences, oh, okay. right. Only I didn't have to pay for oh, these. Okay. Actually, Jesus did, which yeah, is sad. Yeah. So I'm on my way now into my bedroom. I mean, this is all taking place in a short amount of time. And I'm thinking, that means all week I can't go to a real deep level with the Lord in my devotions. Not as deep as I usually would. Why? Because there's this little corner of my house. Remember I talked about the house, the soul being like a house with all these rooms? Well, all of a sudden there was one room in my house I didn't want Jesus to go into because I wasn't ready to surrender that. I just wanted to see who he wanted to choose. So I went into the bathroom. I'm getting ready to get into my shower. And that heavy realization... Now, I've taken you with me on a journey because each one of us in the room has a sin that so easily besets us. I'm using this illustration because I want you to go there with that specific sin that so easily besets you. When you think about a revival in your life and things that you know Jesus needs to take out of your heart, that's what I want you to think about just now. As I went into the bathroom to get ready to get in the shower, suddenly I fell on my knees on that little white rug in front of my shower. And I said, Lord, it's so sad for me to be able to tell you this, but unless you change my heart, I'm going to watch that show. And I'm so embarrassed to tell you, but you know, my mother taught me from the time I was little, you can tell God everything because he already knows. Mm -hmm. 
And as I knelt there on the floor, all I did is confess to him my weakness. And in an instant, wild horses couldn't drug me, drag me to that screen a week from then. Amen. The Lord removed it so so beautifully that the next Sunday I made sure I worked out on my elliptical before it ever came on. And when Satan just tried to say, you could just see for five minutes who he chose, I said, not on your life. Because what the Lord had given me in that moment was pure victory. I want you to know that victory is so easy that it's hard. In this way, the hard part of gaining the victory over that which we need revival in our lives in order for our relationships to be all that they can be is that difference of getting on your knees and confessing, this is my weakness, and guess what? I don't even have a desire for you to take it out of my life, but I crave something more, and God will do it. Hallelujah! I want to say to you that Satan wants you to think it's too hard, it's too difficult, or rationalize why it's okay to hang on to it. It's not worth it. That joy that I have from having a clean heart between my soul and my Savior far outweighs finding out who married who, let me tell you, and far outweighs anything else. And when I have that kind of freedom in my relationship with God, I have joy and freedom in my relationship with my husband. And, and I some, don't think you can pick them apart. And sometimes God gives us to each other so that when we are struggling, the other one can very kindly, very gently point things out. Because I remember a few years ago when my wife had another sin. <gasps> and uh, Now, did and, I give you permission to share this one? <laughs> and, and it was a few years ago. And bless her heart, she was struggling over this one too. And... Uh, it was called Sister Wives, and it, and it was about this guy that, no. had, that had these six, <laughs> six or seven wives, and you know, and every now and then, you know, it, you know, it would be this one's turn or this one. And and I, I said, really, honey? I said, I said, think about this. Think about this. If it was one woman and seven guys in a movie, she would be called a. Don't say it. Don't say it. Am I right? But the man can, you know, have all these wives and he's not called any bad name. I said, honey, this I don't like this show. And so uh, she repented and she got the victory over that one, too. And that one wasn't a hard one. Oh, good. I was good. just curious about how in the world five families could That's live right. in unity. Well, we'll move on now. <laughs> I pointed out my wife's sins. So. Yes. Thank you for that. We will talk later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's one thing for me to admit she, my own. This was not this was not in the notes, okay. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. right. That's right. That's right. That's right. right. So what I find is in my relationship with the Lord and my relationship in family, in our relationship with each other, it's the little things that can be very meaningful and precious and special, or the little things that can really drive a wedge. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Love cannot live without action. Isn't that so true? But I don't think I don't think bitterness and resentment can live without action either. What do you think? Here, let's read it. Let's read it. Ephesians chapter four, reading at verse um, twenty-nine. Um, I'm sorry, verse thirty-one. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, which is quarreling 
evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And then Paul says the next verse, but be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So if you want, if you want to know how terrorists begin start terrorizing, just read verse um, 31. They're bitter, anger, full of quarreling, and that's and, and then you can become a terrorist in your home. How many would like to be a terrorist in their home? Okay, I didn't think so. No, we want to be kind. We want we want the fruits of the spirit in our lives. We want to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. All right. So I I believe I want to present to you this. I don't think we can be neutral, is my point. So either I am under the influence of the Holy Spirit or I'm under the influence of an evil spirit. I don't think we can be neutral. I think sometimes we act like we can, but I don't think so. And so if I'm not connected with the Lord Jesus Christ, I will blunder and I will step on my husband's heart and I will be insensitive and self-centered. But if every day I'm under the control of the Holy Spirit, then the fruits of the Holy Spirit will be seen. I once thought marriage took just two to make a go, but now I'm convinced it takes the Lord also. And not one marriage fails where Christ is asked to enter as lovers come together with Jesus at the center. But marriages seldom thrive and homes are incomplete till He is welcome there to help avert defeat. In homes where God is first, it's obvious to see those unions really work for marriage still takes three. Amen. That's right. Marriage still takes three. That's a good one. So we talked about this the other day, about the little things again, the simple courtesies. And I would like to like us to stop and think, what is it that keeps you from expressing appreciation to your spouse? What is it? What is it that keeps you from mentioning and appreciating? The one thing my husband does very well is, Whenever, every time I prepare a meal for him, he always thanks me. Honey, thank you. This is so good. I really like this. I, I work in accommodations, and uh, one of my coworkers is Ron Mills. How many of you know Ron Mills? Okay. I really appreciate Ron. Ron, he is a great guy to work with. He knows accommod accommodations very well. And so I asked him before I came here today, I said, Ron, I'm going to the marriage seminar uh, give me some marriage tips, Ron. And he goes, well, Pastor Pat, let me tell you about my dad. His dad was a pastor. He said, he said, us kids would see dad come home every Friday and he would bring mom some little token of love. Might be a little spoon, might be a little flower, might be just something. Just, it wasn't big, just something small. And we always... We were always curious. I wonder what dad's going to bring mom, you know, this Friday. Mm -hmm. But he said they were very close. So it kind of lends to your point that you made the other day that, that the best example that we can give our children is what, the way that we treat each other in the home. Mm -hmm. It can really help our children to say, that's what kind of a husband or wife I want to be. Yeah. And I, I see that in our children. Yeah. You know, I see how Kristen waits on Troy. Mm -hmm. I see how... Um, how Joel takes care of Amanda. Mm -hmm. And I can see some of those things. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's a good thing. Yeah. All right. So also, I guess we think about the great vacations or 
the romantic honeymoon or some of those great things that we look for in a marriage that seems to be so wonderful. But it really is the small things, the little, the little um, courtesies. Just, just like today, honey. Bless your heart. I love to be married to a blonde. Patrick. Sometimes, sometimes I get a little forgetful. It has know? nothing to do with the hair color. Oh, okay. Anyway, bless her heart. She said, she said sweetheart, I, I'm here ready for the meeting, but I forgot my power cord. I said, I'll be That was at 9.30 this morning. I'll be right there, honey. I'll be right there. So it just filled up her love tank. And it's then cool. we got over here, and I'd forgotten the power cord at the last place, so yeah, he had to run true. get in there, too. Now, now her love tank is really full. <laughs> I see. Is yeah. that it? Because I didn't complain. I, I don't know. I think sharing my uh, my sin a little earlier, you're uh -oh. going to have to refill uh -oh. that one. I got rid of some, <laughs> That's right. some of the love. Drained okay. it just a little. All right. When we think about love, a lot of times when we come to marriage retreats and things, we think about date nights and, and romantic things that we do. But really and truly... Uh, real and true love, the kind that goes the distance, is often sacrificial, isn't it? It's oftentimes, it's extremely inconvenient, like you going after my power cords. Well, that, and that reminds me, how many of you uh, who have a few gray hairs or no hair, you might remember hearing this name, Emilio Kinekli. Okay, I see it. I see a few names, a few hands, but not very many. This uh, guy was a Seventh-day Adventist uh, revivalist, evangelist. He probably passed away. It was probably 20, 25 years ago. Something like that. But a uh, great, great man of God. He was from Switzerland. His mother was a Seventh-day Adventist and raised him that way, but he left it after he got his education. He uh, wanted to go to the Big Apple and he wanted to get rich. And he got into pharmaceuticals and it wasn't long before he was making a lot of money. And he met, uh, he met his wife. She was uh, from the Rothschild family. Anybody ever heard of the Rothschild? Okay. Listen, they were so wealthy that when the Billy Graham Association back in the uh, late 50s and early 60s, when they started touring around to different cities, this family, the Rothschild family, would help sponsor the Billy Graham Association to come. That's a lot of money. Okay. It's a big event. And so uh, Emilio Kinekli was very tied to the Billy Graham Association, very evangelical. But because of a praying mother, she prayed for him and she prayed that this, uh, this minister who they knew would go to him and plead with Emilio and show him the holy commandments of God, all of them, and show him how important the holy Sabbath was. And he did, and Emilio accepted it well his wife was not happy not happy him changing religions that was not an option and and unfortunately his wife was used to getting her way you know money money is power to, to a lot of people and so their marriage was on the rocks and Emilio loved his wife and, and he pled with her, honey, I'll be even a better Christian if I'm obedient to all of the commandments. Doesn't that make sense? It does, doesn't it? I'll even be a better Christian if, if God's law is in my heart. And she said, I'm giving you an ultimatum. I'm, we're going to meet on top of this ski slope and in the lodge, and we're going to meet at a certain time. You're going to give me your answer.
either me or this new religion. In fact, in fact, before she did it, I got to say this. Before she did that, she sent Emilio Connectly to the home of Billy Graham. Now, in those days, Billy Graham, he wasn't there, but his wife, Ann, was there with their children. And so Emilio walks in to become pre-indoctrinated by some of the workers at Billy Graham's association, some of the key leaders there. They were all to meet. Emilio walks in the house. He notices Ann Graham's uh, library, and there are all those children's storybooks with the big blue books, you know, the great controversy and, and the Bible readings for the home. And he said, do you read those books to your children? And Anne Graham said, yes. Uncle Arthur's bedtime stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah or the Maxwell. Oh, the yeah, Maxwell. Just the Maxwell ones, ones. yeah. And, and she said, yes. And he said, those are Seventh-day Adventist books. And he, she goes, <laughs> she couldn't believe it because she's there you know, to help him come out of Adventism. There she's got her library full. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, they have dialogue. They all study together. Emilio says, listen, it's too clear in the Scriptures. I'm not budging. He flies back. His wife gives him a, an ultimatum. They meet at the ski slope. And that's where they're to give him the ultimatum. So he says, honey, I love you. I will always love you but I must be obedient to Jesus Christ. I must. She said, we're done. We're through. She got in her car. She said, I'm going to get the lawyer, get the divorce papers ready. She was going down the hill. He was behind her. There was terrible ice and, and storms. And she accidentally slid or a truck slid. Anyway, she had a head-on collision with a truck going down the, the mountain. And... It distorted her and distorted her face. She was in the hospital for I don't know how long, like Months. a month. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And her face was like unrecognizable. In those days, I don't think they had airbags. Okay. So it's dating. <laughs> but so every day he would come to the hospital and pray with her and, and, you know, encourage her. Finally, she got to where she could talk again. But she did not look, look like the beautiful person she was before. And when she Her, went home, she was on bed rest. Yeah. And she had to be cared for in every way. Yeah. And he was the one who cared for her. Yeah. And she, she said to him, she said, I can't believe that you still love me after, after what I was going to do to you, divorce you. I can't believe that you're still with me. And when she got better, she said, I don't think she ever became a Seventh-day Adventist, but she said this, I will support you in your work, whatever you want to do. And he became a revivalist for the Seventh-day Adventist church with the support of some Rothschild money. <laughs> okay? So, so he, he won her heart because he did love her and he believed in, and what does the, Bible, what does the preacher say? For, for better or for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in, in health. So long as you both shall live. And he believed that. And, and she saw that he was, he was more converted than she was. Mm -hmm. Even being a part of the Billy Graham Association. <laughs> so unless we do have a true conversion, yes. a personal daily conversion, we can't be the woman of God we want to be. The man of God we've been called to be. The priest of the home we've been called to be. The... the 
person who creates the atmosphere of the home as women that we're called to be. And I think that's when it comes down to saying, you know, true love is sacrificial. True love is inconvenient. Love is a gift from God. Love makes us happy. Love is giving of yourself. So often we think of love as something we receive. And then love to each other is the outworking of our love to God. So as I commit and connect with a loving God, then I am able to have a reservoir of love for my spouse, for my children, and for others. When can we go home? This is when we can go home. Let me read this thought to you. When self is merged in Christ, love springs forth spontaneously, the completeness of Christian character is attained when the impulse to help and bless others springs constantly from within. When the sunshine of heaven fills the heart and is revealed in the countenance, that's when we're ready to go home. When we, when we just automatically want to be a blessing to each other. When we want to be a blessing to our neighbor. When we want to help, you know, kind of be self-sacrificial and go out of our way to help people. When that comes forth automatically, you know, just automatically, just bubbles, it just bubbles out like Alka-Seltzer, you know. <laughs> That's dating me too. Uh, then you know that we're ready for heaven because love is in our heart. It's just automatic. Mm -hmm. Amen? It's a natural fruit of yep. what God is doing on the inside. Yep. Absolutely. All right. When God, des God desires you to consecrate yourself wholly to him and represent his character in the home circle. So that's why I talked about personal victory over sin and asking the Lord to prepare our characters for heaven. Because character, like we learned yesterday, character is what we're taking with us to heaven, right? It's the essence of who we are. Mm -hmm. Our we were created for God's glory, so to reflect his character. So the more that we were connected with him, the more self-forgetful we will be. Amen. And the more selfless we will be in our interactions with others. Thankful hearts and kind looks are more valuable than wealth and luxury. Wow. They don't know that on Wall Street, do they? And contentment with simple things will make home happy if love is there. Isn't that what the what Proverbs talks about? You know, mm -hmm. it's better to be poor and, and have vegetables, you know, than to be wealthy and be, be able to eat whatever you want, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's so true. Mm -hmm. uh, I would I would rather be poor and happy than rich and miserable. And right? what would be really fun is to be rich and happy. Well, that's heaven. <laughs> that's, that's, heaven. <laughs> that's right. That's heaven. That's right. But if you look at that, there's a scripture, and I believe it's Philippians, godliness with contentment is great gain. Have you ever experienced that? To be content. Are you content right now with whatever you I have? I think that might be in Timothy. Is it in Timothy? And we're going to let, we're going to let my friend Steve find it. Okay. Yeah. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Mm -hmm. I have found that to be true. If you find yourself being discontent as a wife, pray, claim that promise. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Look at all the blessings that you have instead of the things that make you annoyed and frustrated. Godliness with contentment, because guess what? Wherever you go, wherever you are, there will be some things that you'll really love, some things that will be annoying but it's what we focus on. 
How, how about as a husband? Are you content? Godliness with contentment is great gain. When you're content, you're at peace with yourself, with God, with the world, and you have that. Yes. 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. Thank you, honey. You were right. 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. So what I find is when I look into the Word of God, I look at what are the things I stumble over. One of the things I stumble over is sometimes I don't have the purest thoughts. So I have claimed the promise, what sort of things are pure? What sort of things are lovely? What sort of things are holy? What sort of things are a good report? And I probably mix some of those things up. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Did you know every time I have a thought that isn't pure or true or lovely, maybe it's a thought about someone else, I instantly go and start repeating that promise. As soon as I even start with the words, whatsoever things are, it's gone. Because I've trained my mind. And that's how Jesus met temptation. So I would say to you, whatever those besetting sins that so easily beset you are, find a scripture in the Bible that is the antidote to that. And then memorize it. And whenever you're tempted, go to that place. And you know, also in that verse, you think about it. If someone is is giving you a kind look. They're happy. They're so glad to be around you. Um, it just it just cheers you up. It just encourages you. But if you're around somebody that's so morose and they're down, they look like they just just been baptized in lemon juice, you know, and uh, they just like they just it's eating sour lemons. Then then that rubs off on you. Then you kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you kind of get down. And the other thing is at work, I find you come in and people are like, oh, this is terrible. We're short-staffed. It's going to be an awful day. It's so easy to join in. Oh, you're right. Yesterday wasn't much better, you know. It's amazing how we can be influenced. But somebody can walk in and say, hey, guys, but look, we've got the A-team. We can do this. Let's do it. And one person can influence the whole person. So the whole group. So it's very, very, um, it's wonderful. So I like this one. We, we actually used this um, quote two days ago. Love cannot long exist without expression. Let not the heart of the one connected with you starve for the want of kindness and sympathy. Let me ask you this. Do you have that wicked little thing in your heart where sometimes you know somebody wants you to compliment you, them, and you withhold it? I have. It's almost like I can tell they're just looking for a pat on the back, not going to come from here. Why? I don't know why. Ask yourself the question, why is it when it's within our power to do good, sometimes we withhold? I I think there's something wicked about that part of human nature. But think about it. It says, don't let the heart of one connected with you starve for the want of kindness and sympathy. That means, honey, if we had a good fight, you wouldn't go asleep on the couch because you know I don't sleep good without you. I knew knew that sooner or later you'd come out there. Yeah, but still. I can't remember the last time he's done that, but early in our marriage, he used to go to the couch, and I could handle it for about three hours. Okay. See, I was my way of punishing her. (laughs) Didn't work. Um, Let's each give love rather than exact it. Be quick to recognize the good qualities in each other. Am I quick to recognize the good qualities in my spouse, or am I always nitpicking on the bad ones? Because we both have them, right? So which is it? And then it goes on to say sympathize um, and respect and encourage the striving after, oh, I'm sorry, sympathy and respect encourage the striving after excellence and love itself 
creates a stimulus for nobler aims. You know, I think that um, this morning, I, I remember I told you how much I loved you and appreciated you. That might have, I did not do it for this reason because I didn't know I was going to forget my power card times two. But because of that, maybe it made you a little more willing to not complain or roll your eyes or say, honey, I can't believe this happened twice today. You just sweetly went after it. So I think if we're always treating each other in that way, we're not as easily annoyed. Listen, if that's my worst lot in life, it's not very good. It's to go bad. after okay. power cords yeah, for right. your blonde wife. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. So, so definitely, I believe this quote really has the secret to what it means to have marital bliss. This is the secret. And it's free. It doesn't cost you anything except dying to self. Well, you might need to Which add, is a gift. You might need to ask for it. Uh-huh. Because I haven't told him this, sweetheart, but when I first met my wife, I had I had to go to the to the river creek bank and I had to do a, have a little talk with God. And uh, when we first met, I went to the river and I said, "Lord, she is everything I prayed for. I prayed for eight months. Lord created in my heart a love for a missionary-minded uh, woman, and Tammy was called to be a pastor's wife." Everything, but when I first met her, it wasn't it wasn't like Cupid went, Bing! you know, where I just like, wow. Can you imagine? And uh, and so I I went by the creek bank and I said, Lord, she's everything I prayed for in a wife. And the Lord spoke to me. This is what He said. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was clear. You know how the Holy Spirit will tell you something sometime. It's very clear. Holy Spirit said to me because I wasn't raised a Christian. And he said to me, now, Pat, you know all about lust, but you don't know a lot about love. That's what he told me. You know a lot about lust, but you don't know a lot about love. And, and in, God told me, he says, I am love. And I'm going to give you the gift of love for Tammy. But God told me, he said, I'm going to remind you when I give you this gift, I'm going to remind you it didn't come from you. In other words, if we have the gift of love or self-control or kindness or gentleness or whatever the gift is, it's a gift from God, right? Mm -hmm. It's not something that I generate. It's a gift from God. And so I said, yes, Lord. And after that, Cupid went, boing. You know? And I mean, I just love this lady. But, but God wanted me to understand this. That, you know, you're not just going to gallivant in there, you know, on your white stallion. And you know what I mean? And because of because of who you are, it's going to be because I'm going to give you this gift. So any good, any good gift. And I think James says that every good and perfect gift comes from. from and love. and human right. love, I think your point is, is fleeting. It is. We can go by somebody's looks or characteristics or somehow I'll look good with them or. That kind of thing. But that kind of love doesn't go the distance. No. That's right. So we always have this quote. If you have not gotten your quote, we have it for you. And you can ask at the back and um, we'll give you the little card. So it's a little card that looks like this. Mm -hmm. And we've been, yesterday we read it all together. So let's do it again. Mm -hmm. Prayer, Prayer is, is the answer, answer to, to every problem, problem in life. It puts us in tune with divine wisdom, which knows how to adjust everything perfectly. 
So often we do not pray in certain situations because from our standpoint, the outlook is hopeless. But nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is so entangled that it cannot be remedied. No human relationship is too strained that God to bring about reconciliation and understanding. No habit so deep-rooted that it cannot be overcome. No one is so ill that he cannot be healed. No mind is so dull that it cannot be made brilliant. Whatever we need, if we trust God, he will supply it. If anything is causing worry or anxiety, let us stop rehearsing the difficulty and trust God for healing, love, and power. So that means once we've identified our challenge, once we've prayed about it and claimed the promises, we need to stop rehearsing it as a problem and start praising God, and he will do it. Amen. 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 So now we, we have a little time for questions and answers. Yeah. We have we have one question here, Gail. Uh, and then we have the mic here. And do we have any other questions? Okay. All right, go ahead with that first one. So the, the question that came in today says, um, suggestions on, um, oh, I was going to ask you what's your commitment, because I want you all to make a commitment. What are you going to do more of when you go home by God's grace? What are you going to do less of? Because it's important to make those commitments. So here's a question. Um, how do you get help uh, from past hurts to love fully again, not holding back in fear of hurt and disappointments to happen again? So I'm assuming from this that somebody's been hurt. Maybe their heart's been stepped on by their spouse. They want to trust again, and they want to love fully, you know, without abandon. But part of them is holding back because they're afraid of being hurt. Yeah. It's just a terrible thing when you've been hurt. Yeah. So, so I feel like that that question is about that. And it really reminded me of the scripture where Peter asked Jesus a question. Yeah. He said, Lord, how many times do we forgive? You know, I can see the first time she left the power cord. <laughs> or the second time, but how many times? And then you're like, okay, Tammy, we get it. We, we forgive more I, I think, than 70 times 7. I think of God. We, we've all hurt God. We've hurt His heart. But He continues to love us and He continues to guide us and to help us. But still, we're human. And, and when our heart gets trampled upon, it is, it is hard to trust again mm -hmm. when we've been hurt. Mm -hmm. But we've got to keep looking, looking to God saying, Lord, You're going to have to heal my broken heart. And God... The Bible is full of scriptures about how that He will heal our hearts. Mm -hmm. It may take some time, mm -hmm. but we've got to. We, we we can't be a people of um, of revenge. Mm -hmm. um, I will I will not forgive you. I will I will go to my grave hating you. I would never have done that to you. How could you yeah, do that will, to me? And, and and that that you don't want to go to your grave hating somebody. <laughs> So we're going to have to ask God for help and healing. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, your heart can always safely rest with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so that's where you need to put your heart, is with Him. Yeah. And then ask Him to give you that unequivocal love for your mate, even though you've been hurt by them. And He will do that. Because we talked about on day one, that is it better to not love and protect ourselves and never have loved and never get hurt? 
Or is it better to have loved, even if it does cause pain? And I would say loving is so worth it. So I would say trust God with your heart, with its healing. It is important to have healthy boundaries. But at the same time, I honestly have counseled with women who are very um, touchy and very sensitive. So every time their husband does something to them that are, to them they feel it is unthoughtful, they're just wounded. That's really being a little bit too sensitive. We can't be wounded by every little thing that our spouse may do, not even realizing it or thinking. You know what I mean? We need to ask God to help us to have some generous tolerance and also just to have that sense of trusting Him for the love that we have for Here's each other. Here's one of those scriptures that talk about how God wants to heal our hearts. It's Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. Mm-hmm. And it, this is not the only one. It talks about other places that I will, I will mend your broken heart. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it may take some time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I think sometimes, listen, I, I, not, for, not for you who wrote this, but for me, I'm glad that my heart got broken. Because if my girlfriend hadn't broken my heart because I was such a, a heathen, and I was not a good candidate for a future husband, and she recognized it, and she, she broke up with me. Just broke my heart. And then that led, me to, that led me to the Lord. I accepted the Lord, and I gave my heart to Him, and He started changing me little by little. And now, I'm a good candidate for a, for a husband. Yes, you That's are. That's right. all right so yes it is true through pain sometimes jesus is able to come closer i needed i needed a broken heart but lord don't let don't let it break again yes exactly that's right anyone else have a question or comment we have a little time for we always want questions and answers hey this young man's going to get married soon give that mic to him all right good (laughs) for the comment about how to trust and how to how to love again um, growing up, I had a lot of issues, a lot of trust issues, and trust is not something that I give freely. And the more and more time I spent with Jesus, the more and more time he said, trust me. Don't trust them. Don't trust them. Don't trust them. That's not who you need to trust. You need to trust me. And what that led to is a point where people have trust, but it's only because I trust Jesus. Mm. And if we have that point where Jesus is our righteousness, Jesus is our trust, Jesus is everything for us, we can be able to, to open up and to be able to, to let people in and to be able to experience um, a love not only from Jesus but from other people that you'd never experience otherwise. Because when you've been hurt, when you've been shattered, when you've been crushed over and over and over and over and over again, and all you see is that crushing. You can't, you can't feel love. But it's when you give that to Jesus and you say, okay, Jesus, you know what? I can't trust this person. I can't trust anybody. Can you help me to be able to, to grow in you, to love in you? And then you start to be able to, to see that love from Jesus. And when you start seeing that, you want to be able to give that love. Mm-hmm. Just as like when Jesus says, okay, you know, when somebody like is ready to punch you, give them the other cheek. It basically means that you are that you're humbling yourself enough to say, you know what, I'm going to be better than to take action against you. I'm going to love you. That's right. 
You know, when we can be able to love the person, it's like the verse that says, you know, by giving kindness, you're heaping coals on them. That's right. right. You know, right. it's like when yeah. we can be able to to share love after we've been crushed, that love that we give is such so much more substantial mm-hmm. and people really see the difference. Right. Amen. So what I hear you saying is in your relationship with Jesus, he actually gives you the capacity to love and trust others right. because you're secure in him. Yes. Very right. nice. That's Thank right. you. Anybody Anyone else? else? Right back here. My name's Rebecca. Um, I had a parental figure gossip about me to several people in church. That, uh, And I knew it was happening, but I still try to show that person love, this parental figure. And, and now this parental figure is finally to the point where I can confront them because before I tried to confront them on several issues and they just weren't emotionally stable enough uh-huh. to be confronted. Mm-hmm. And now they have grown and are healthier and mm-hmm. I'm ready to confront them. And some of the friends that they had gossiped to I mean, I don't know all the details, but some of the people I'm pretty sure um, have stopped coming to church. Hmm. And it hurts me, and I wonder, when I start confronting these people, should I recommend to them that they apologize to people that they've gossiped to? Well, I think if you have that um, relationship, you know, with them, that you can sit down with them and talk, talk to them about the pain that they've caused and see if they're willing to do that, for sure. But what I found is sometimes in those situations, because we've all been gossiped about and slandered, and it is a, it's a way to murder each other. It's actually a form of murder because so many people can start to believe that. But I love what David said. He said, Lord, you take care of my reputation. Help me just to live my life and you be in charge of my reputation. And I would say praying for that person that they would have a conversion. Because without a conversion, they won't be in heaven And without the Holy Spirit being the one to convict them, my convictions won't go very far. And you might also, uh, if they're willing to pray with you, just suggest to them sometime, could could we go together, you and I, and just go over there and try to encourage those folks to come back? Might be a good idea if if he could humble himself and do that, that that would be good. The other thing that I found is oftentimes people will quit coming to church because of the hypocrisy because of hypocrites, but I remind them that they're not there to see the people. They're there to worship God, number one. And number two, people go to Walmart and the bank and there's hypocrites there. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes we have to stop and realize the goats and the sheep grow together until Jesus comes. But it is painful, sister, and I've been there and it does hurt. You know, we've all been hurt. I don't know, if you live long enough, eventually you're going to get hurt by somebody. Mm -hmm. And, and, I, I'm not there yet, church, but it says, Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. I'm not quite there yet. You pray for me. But I want to be. I want to be to the point where nothing offends me. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But words do hurt us. They do. They do hurt us. Yeah. And we, that's why we need to stay close to Jesus because the, uh, sometimes when people are not having their devotions, they'll come to church. And they'll just be ornery. You guys don't have any ornery people in your church, do you? Don't raise your hand. But sometimes those ornery people, they can just be, you know, they can just turn people off. And we don't go to church because of the few ornery people. You know, like just for, I remember early in our ministry, my wife would sometimes uh, get a little ornery. I'd say, sweetheart, 
Did you have your devotions today? Yes, I did. I don't think it was in our ministry. I think it was in our marriage. And mar that's what I meant, the marriage, you know. But she said that. Except to, I remember saying that to you. Yeah, she said that to me before, too. You know, sweetheart, have you had your devotions today? You can kind of tell, can't you, can you when tell. people are spending time? You know, time. I'm, I'm a lot sweeter when I seem to be with Jesus. That's right. that's right. Anyone else? I think we have time for one more question. I don't mind if he asks a question if you do. <laughs> we need a young perspective. That's right. <laughs> um, I just want to ask, why did Rachel's husband say that Leah, Leah to Leah that um, they would have hit the garment over the little thing that goes over the face and over that when I don't know her name tried to Jacob want, Jacob wanted to marry Rachel oh. instead of Leah and why did they do that you know, that's a really good question, sweetheart. I've often wondered how in the world Jacob could get confused as to who he married and not know until the morning. So that's something I want to ask Jesus when we get to heaven. How did that happen? I'm with you. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know the answer, but it wasn't very fair, was it? That was a trick. It wasn't a happy one for Jacob. Good question. What, what's your name? Mikey. Mikey. I, Mikey, just not too long ago, uh, what I thought was my wife got out of the car, she didn't tell me she'd cut her hair, and I didn't think it was my wife, Mikey. I took three steps back. That's not my wife. But <laughs> sure enough, it was. <laughs> On that note, I think we should pray. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's pray. All right, Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the gift of love, and we know, Lord, because I know you told me personally that it's a gift that you give to us. So we accept your gift of love and we, we pray that we'll express it to our, to our spouses. And Father in heaven, come and dwell in our hearts because to receive you is to receive love. The unconditional, inconvenient, long-suffering, gentle, meek love. And we truly do want to reflect your character. Help us to claim your promises more and live by faith in the love you've promised us. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.